Well, I have a news flash for you. Did you hear that Costco are bringing back their samples this week? Did you hear that? So, uh, Mary, prepare to be taken out on a date this week. Uh, that's our favorite cheap date. Uh, and I just, it's just, it's just the generosity of my heart. <laughs> so let me tell you something. Over the last year, I, I read a world leader. They, they said they've been a leader for, in their current capacity for 15 years. In fact, they're resigning this year. And they said, they said, this has been the hardest year ever to lead. And I wonder for you, where you would, I'm gonna get back to Costco in a second. I wonder for you, if you were to rank the hardest years of your life, where would you rank this last 15 months? So back to the Costco, I told Mary, I said, Mary, sometimes I have this dream. I have this dream that I'm working for Costco as one of those food vendors. And I just, I go in and I make everybody happy and I, I serve that guy like me for the third time is trying to walk around and act like it's his first one. <laughs> like, oh, what do you have here? And they're like, I've seen you before. <laughs> and, uh, and just to sort of be pleasant with people and then, you know, and, and because if there was a seminary class and how to lead a church during a pandemic, like I missed that semester. Um, and, and there are challenges I think we've all faced. I, it's not just about me, but I told Mary, I said, I sometimes have this sense of, wow, what if I were to... So for you, how would this year rank for you? The losses you've experienced, some of you great disappointments, things you were eager for and they look like they're gone. People you said, I thought they were like a really close friend or maybe it's even a family member and now we have this major tension between us and it's not even over like, it, it's over things that we shouldn't divide over. Maybe there's been something happening in our nation, the world is, and you go, I, my heart is crushed over that. A reader, a, a writer whom I really respect, I was reading recently and he said, you're living in a world that's going through a nervous breakdown. And so if you think like, man, is it just me or has it been a hard time? It's been hard. And I think sometimes even we're coming out of this sort of, you know, we're mask optional in the service and it feels great and, and things are opening up more, more people at progressive field and stuff like that. But there's a residual kind of like, heaviness that uh, a lot of people feel I talk to and they say, oh man, there's, yeah, I, I still, I carry this weight. Here's my question. What does it look like to distinctively be a follower of Jesus during this time? That you and I, that people look at us and say, there's something different about you that I, I see in your life that even with all of the challenges going on, that you, you had this sense of, of just, there's something that I, I like about your life, that I, I, you have a strength and a, and a confidence. There's a verse I've come back to over and over again in this last year. And in fact, I'd like just to read it together. If you go to your notes, 
they're in your digital notes, and the homepage of our uh, website, it says bulletin, the end of the bulletin is our, our notes. Maybe you got them from the, uh, the table when you walked in if you're here. And they'll also be, this verse will be on the screen, but can we say this aloud together? Let's, and, and those of you who are watching online, I'm listening for you, okay? So I want you to participate as well, okay? Ready? Let's say this together. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. He goes on from there. You know what he says? He says, we're hard-pressed, but not crushed, right? We're persecuted, but not destroyed. We're struck down, but not abandoned. Why? Because we have a treasure. You got to know what you're talking about, Jonathan. We're gonna, that's what I want to talk about today, is what is the treasure that Paul is talking about? How can we live into that? What does it mean for God, the Holy Spirit, to come and to fill my life? Last week, we looked at the historical account in Acts chapter 2 of Pentecost, it's a festival that would happen every year in, in Jerusalem, and uh, it was also known as the Feast of Harvest, and people would gather from all over. They'd come to Jerusalem, streets are clogged, shops are closed, and they're celebrating, and it was at that particular festival, the festival of Pentecost, uh, in A.D. 33, Jesus has died, risen from the dead, most significant event in all of history. He lives for 40 years, appears to hundreds and hundreds of people to show that he really was alive. And then he ascends to heaven 40 days after his resurrection. 10 days after that, the 120 followers of Jesus are gathered in this upper room and something happens. We saw it last week. It's Pentecost. There's this violent wind that comes rushing through the house. There's a fire that comes down and rests on top of the heads of all of the believers. And then they begin to speak in other languages, the gift of tongues, and people are like, something is happening. What happened? The treasure had come to live within. So we saw that last week, the historical event of Pentecost. What I want us to do today is hear directly from the words of Jesus. What, what does Jesus say? Because let me just, I think sometimes we live like we don't have the treasure. We're followers of Jesus, but we're talking to a colleague and, and we get agitated and angry and we really treat difficult people not much differently than a person who doesn't have a relationship with Christ. Or we get angry in a way that's sort of uncontrolled. Or we give in to the same temptation over and over again. And shouldn't there be something distinctive? If God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live within me, shouldn't there be something about my life that people look and say, you have... The way you love people, even when they're challenging, wow, I don't know, I want to be like you. You have a sense of joy, even when you face stress. There's a peace in you, even in the midst of a storm. You respond with like self-control, even when, and they start going through, and, and you know that it's not your resources, you're not just digging down deeper, you know, the message of the world is just, if you're going through a challenging time, just dig deeper, and you have within you all that it takes, not on your own, you don't. It's only because of the treasure who comes to live within. The moment that I say, Jesus, I realize I'm a broken person. I have sin and regret and shame in my life and I'll never be good enough to be accepted by you. But Jesus, I put my trust in you. You died for me. 
You came back to life to give me life. And Jesus, I put my trust in you. I invite you to come into my life. And the moment that I do that, his treasure, the Holy Spirit, comes to live within me. That wasn't just the historical setting of Pentecost. It was the promise of Jesus. I want us to listen to his words. If you have your Bible, let's turn to John chapter 14. John 14 records what happens the night before Jesus would die. He has a conversation with his followers about the treasure he would give us. Remarkable conversation. The setting is an upper room where they're eating supper and the disciples are stunned when Jesus tells them, he goes, I'm not going to be with you for much longer and I'm going to be leaving you. And they're stunned. Like we, we give our life to follow you. We left everything. And Peter asks the question, in fact, it's in John chapter 13, verse 36, before we get to John 14. And Peter says, Lord, where are you going? That's what they were all wondering. He says, I'm leaving. And Peter always spoke the words that everyone else was thinking. Peter was blurred them out. He says, Lord, where are you going? You have to believe that they wondered what their own fate would be. What would they do? How would they carry on? And on that night, less than 24 hours before Jesus would go to the cross, he has this conversation with them and he gives them here in John 14 some amazing promises, promises that are true for all Jesus' followers through the centuries. For then, for today, 2021, that these are promises that are true for us. And you'll see them in your notes. You'll see them on the screen. We can know that he opens up in John 14, 1 to 3, that there's a home kept in heaven for you. He goes on and talks about the fact that we can have a relationship with our Father in heaven in a personal way, that you can actually know God, that your life can have great impact. He goes on a little bit further and says, your prayers in Jesus' name make a difference, that he hears and responds when you talk to him. That's the first half of this chapter. And then in verse 15, Jesus tells them of an incredible treasure they're about to receive, and it's a treasure that's just as real and available to all of us today. It's a stunning truth, and it's this, that God lives in you. That the Spirit of Jesus, the moment you receive Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus comes and lives in you and in me. Here's what Jesus says, verse 15. He says, if you love me, Keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to them. Let's just pause right there. This is, that's his promise. He's reassuring them. He says, while, while you won't be able to see me when I ascend to heaven, I'm still going to be with you. In fact, instead of just being with you, I'm going to be in you, right? That's what happens 50 days after Jesus comes back from death. Seven weeks after the resurrection, Jesus, it's the Feast of Pentecost, and, and Jesus comes by a spirit and lives within. This is amazing. Friends, that the same person who, who was born into a broken world and never, ever sinned was tempted over and over again 
It says, in every way like we are, and yet he never sinned, is the same Jesus who lives in me and in you. That the same Jesus who loved people who were on the fringe and was willing to be countercultural is the same Jesus who lives in me and in you. The same Jesus who was able to give sight to the blind and even to raise dead people back to life is the same Jesus who lives in me and in you. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Jesus puts it this way in verse 18 when they're like, where are you going? He, he just wants to make it really clear. He says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. When you think of an orphan, we don't talk about orphanages a lot in orphans, but an orphan is someone without a home, right? Without a family. You know, maybe mom and dad have died or something's happened and they don't really feel like they have a place to belong. And to these disciples who were anxious about being left alone and maybe feeling like Jesus is going to orphan them, he says, no, it's not gonna happen to you. If you drop down to verse 23, you'll see how he says, the Father and I will make our home with you and in you. Here's what's interesting. That word for home is the same Greek word in verse 23 that you read back in verse three when he says, I'm going to prepare a home for you. Just think about earlier, in my father's house, there is lots, right? He says, I'm going to prepare a home for you, but where is his home today? There's a line in your notes that says this, we're promised a permanent home in heaven for our future. And until then, in our present, here and now, Jesus promises that we will be his permanent home on earth. Same word. You have a home then, but where is his home today? His home is in you. He wanted them to know, he wanted you and me to know. I'm not leaving you. I'm going to come and make my home in you. You will be the house of God wherever you go. We have this treasure. I want to just stop and pause for a second and let that sink in. Can I just be honest with you that sometimes I know, I know this to be true, that Jesus lives in me. You know, sometimes I live, I live like he's at a distance. That for me to pray to him, I've got to be like in a particular place to be with other people. Sometimes I, I, I face temptation on my own or a conversation and, and I, don't, I don't live like I'm the house of God. He seems like he's in heaven. He's far away. Do you ever live like that? Something happened to me last week while I was preaching. This doesn't, often God speaks to me when I'm preparing. Last Sunday, I was preaching. And I don't know how to describe it. It doesn't happen real often, but occasionally it's like the spirit of God whispers in my ear, Jonathan, that's for you right there. I'm having this conversation in my head. And last week it was when I said, you are the house of God wherever you go. And it was like the Lord said, that's it. Jonathan, don't forget it this week. Because I often forget. The people of God often, we're going to see in a second, the people of God often forget. There was a, a, there was a British 
author and speaker. He's now in heaven, but he said something that I, has always stayed with me. He said this. You'll see this on the screen. He says, Jesus did not come from heaven to earth just to get us out of hell and into heaven, though he's the only one who can do that. He also came to get himself out of heaven and into us. That you and I have the living Christ in us. And for the rest of the New Testament, this is a highlight truth. It's something the early Jesus followers and the Bible writers didn't want us to miss. In your notes, you're going to see a few of the verses that highlight this. Colossians chapter 1. God has chosen to make known this mystery, which is Christ in you. Romans 8. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. All of that power lives in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we saw this one last week. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Paul's going, don't you know? Don't you know? I, I said it a little bit ago. It's easy for us to forget. Paul goes, don't you know that you are the very house of God? That he lives in you and he goes with you wherever you go? Whatever time of day or night, Whatever place you happen to be, you're in the car, you're at the grocery store, you're at Costco getting the sample, wherever you are, he says, he's with you. Sometimes we live like orphans and Jesus goes, oh, no, 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 no. You are my house if you've put your trust in me. Friends, you know what I want for my life and for your life? I want my life to be explainable only because of the presence and the power of God at work within me. That when I mess up, I'm quick to say, man, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? That when I am with people who are maybe difficult to, to be with, that I, I, I love them like he would love them. That other people look at my life and in the midst of whatever challenge, I go, wow, like you've... You've got like a sense of peace and joy. That there will be something about my life and your life that is explainable only because of the treasure you have within. That you'll come to the point, I'll come to the point, I, I don't have what it takes to, to follow Jesus. I'm like, I don't have what it takes to be the kind of person I want to be. But he does. And he promises, I will be with you and in you. And when other people go, yeah, there's something about you that will know, uh, Lord, I know it's, it's only because of you. You know, I think especially during this time in our nation, there's so much tension, disappointment and challenge. There's not a Sunday that goes by or almost a day of the week where I I hear of someone in my circle of relationships. I talk to someone who says, wow, my family, talk about tension. We're, we just are on opposite sides of an issue. Or there's been a, a fissure of some other, there's people who are going through just feeling blue and a sense of loss. And, and then we can tend to stoop to the behavior of people who, don't have the treasure within. And we feel anger and agitation and we get irritated and we... And friends, he has something so much better for us. He says, I, I've come to live with you and in you. I'm the treasure within. 
so grateful for Jesus that he lives in me as power and strength, enable me to so I don't, have to, I don't have to just go with culture and the flow of, you know, wherever they're going, that's where I'm going. They respond that way, I respond that way. No, 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 no. That Jesus says, I've called you something different. I want you to die to the way that you would normally go. And I want you to be alive to the way that I want to take you. I want you to live distinctively. Listen to how he describes the Holy Spirit. You know, we might say, John, I just, I want that, but it is so hard. Listen to again what Jesus says in verse 16. He says, and I will ask the Father, Jesus says, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Three things there. He's our advocate, he's our guide, and our companion forever. Let's just look at those real quickly here. First, he's our advocate. The word there in the Greek, the original the language of the New Testament is paraclete. Para, you think of the word parallel. You have this is here, and it's there's a parallel line, right? And uh, and it's something that goes alongside of. And he's our paraclete. He's the one who comes alongside to help me and to give me strength. And he's he's there all the time. He's my faithful encourager. Uh, he wants to strengthen me. Uh, we could say it this way: the Christian life is impossible to live without Christ in me. Without him, I'm like a cell phone without a battery or a car without gas. I might look like everybody else. You know, if you saw this cell phone, that cell phone, you'll see where the, you'd go, it looked like, the, but if one has a battery and one doesn't, or the car has no gas, which is more realistic with what's happened in part of our country a few weeks ago, right? Um, that we say, I have no power. I'll never be able to be the person that I was designed to be without the power of Jesus at work in my life. The one who comes alongside, strengthens me. He's my advocate. He's also, Jesus says, our guide to truth, that he gives us direction. Uh, Jesus says just a few verses earlier, he says in John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way and the truth, right, and the life. So the Holy Spirit, if Jesus is the truth and is going to guide us into truth, he's, the Spirit is always going to guide us the same way, in the way of Jesus, in fact, Jesus says just, he's praying a little bit after this conversation with his followers. And in John chapter 17, verse 17, he says, Lord, your word, Father, your word is truth. So can we just acknowledge this? I, sometimes I'll hear people say like, I sense the spirit of God guiding me to do this or that. And he, he does, he loves to do that. But can we just say really clearly, he will never guide you in opposition to this book. This book is truth. So he's never going to guide you in a way that you go, I know it says that in the Bible, but I really sense he wants me to be in this relationship or to do this or to do that. No. He'll never contradict the, the truth of this book. He's our spirit of truth. He's our advocate that comes alongside. He's our spirit of truth who, who guides us in, in the way and, and can give us prompts and, and whispers that he says, I, I want you to call that person or I want you to go seek their forgiveness or whatever. And we say, Lord, I want to respond to you. And we always measure it against his word. There's another word Jesus mentions here in verse 16 that's so encouraging. He says, this advocate, my spirit, will help you and be with you for how long? Forever, for, forever. You see, before Jesus, this is something new because before Jesus, before Pentecost, men and women were filled with the spirit for a certain like assignment for just a period of time. So this past week in our Bible in one year readings, hundreds of you are doing that. If you're wondering what that is, just give one of us a call. And, and, uh, but we've been reading through the Bible this year. 
And it's been, uh, and then there's a little application commentary part. But we're reading about Saul, Saul in the Old Testament, and, uh, and he's a guy on whom the Spirit of God would come for a particular assignment, he, for going to battle or for this or that. But then it says that Saul was going through a tough time. It says the Spirit of God, what? Departed from Saul. You go, well, yeah, he was, that was Saul. But what about David? Remember David, David, King David, man after God's own heart. But David messes up. And what does he pray in Psalm 51? He's praying a prayer of confession going, God, I have so messed up. And he says, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. That's a prayer you and I never have to pray. Because he's with us for how long? Forever, forever. You go, what changed? What changed is Pentecost. Because the Spirit of God would come upon certain people, Samuel and Deborah and Ruth, all these other people for a period of time, for a specific assignment. But when Pentecost happens and that fire comes down and all the different flames on each head, that, that the Spirit of Jesus would come and Jesus says, it'll be with you forever. You're the house of God wherever you go, as long as you go, until the day we see Jesus face to face. He's with you forever. Forever our advocate to help, our guide to teach, and our companion forever. That's our treasure. You see, this is why Jesus says, just a a little bit later, same conversation, but John chapter 16, he says, in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Do you hear what he's saying? Jesus is saying that you and I have it better today, even not being able to see him with these eyes, then the disciples, his first followers, who he walked the earth with before Pentecost came. He goes, it's better today than it was then. It's better for you if I go away. Why? Because I'm going to come and live in you, and you'll be the house of God wherever you go. So how do I experience this fullness in my life? I, I just have a, f- a few minutes here, but there's one emphasis here in, in John 14 that Jesus, a word he comes back to, uh, that if we want to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit, it's more than this, but this is, this is a starting place, is this. Obedience is the secret to experiencing the Spirit's power. I don't want us to miss this here because it's really just so key to the way that Jesus designed us. I don't want you to live an ordinary life. I don't want to live an ordinary life. Um, I, I want others to see the power of Jesus in me and in you. Do you want that? Jesus has a theme here, and it's, and it's this, that he wants us to, to go in the Jesus way, whatever he says to, to do it. Listen to the theme here, John chapter 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Verse 23, Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father and I will come and will, you see what he's saying here? He's saying, I want you to follow me, to obey me, to, to, to walk according to the word that I, I give you. You see, friends, the Holy Spirit has freedom to influence and empower and work in me when I say, Jesus, here I am, surrender to you. I, w- I want to walk in your ways. Not long after Jesus has this conversation, it's probably... Seven or eight weeks later, Peter, one of his followers, standing in front of a crowd of people, it's Acts chapter five. Peter stands up and he says this. He says, we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to whom? To those 
who obey him. It's not that we earn the presence of Jesus, but he's saying when you have the Holy Spirit in your life, he says you're going to walk according. If you want to experience the fullness and the power of, of Jesus in your life, obedience is that sign that you love him. You're saying, Lord Jesus, you're welcome. This is your house. This isn't my house anymore. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, your body doesn't belong to you. We have this treasure in jars of clay, and I now belong to him. And so I say, Jesus, this is your home, you, whatever you want to do. And I'm going to get rid of anything that makes you feel uncomfortable in my house. That thought pattern, that practice, that gossip, that magazine, this thing I do on the internet, this whatever, Lord Jesus, if you don't feel home with that, it's gone. I want you to be at home in my house. So can we take inventory for a minute? If the level of the Spirit's influence and power and dynamic work in your life is correlated to the level of your obedience, saying yes to Jesus, how much Holy Spirit influence is at work in your life? Because here's what the Bible is saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. If we have low obedience, there's going to be low spirit power. If, there's high, if you say yes to Jesus, Jesus, I love you for all you've done for me, I, like I'm yours. You tell me to say yes here, I'm saying yes. You tell me to say no here, I'm saying no here. You want me to walk right there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. When you have that kind of saying yes to him, the influence of the spirit goes up in your life. The power of saying yes to Jesus is there any area of your life you need to do business with him? You say, Lord, I, all right, I, I confess that that's wrong. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no here. I'm gonna talk to a counselor. I'm gonna go to a support group. There's a habit in my life. I've gotta have an accountability partner. I need to confess this. You know what I was struck with this week reading in my, in my daily Bible uh, time is that partial obedience is still disobedience. We're reading about King Saul, going back to him again. And he's a strong leader, capable guy, but he was marked by partial obedience. You guys want to put that back up on the screen there? That partial obedience is still disobedience. And, um, and that second line right there, what Saul would do is he would obey but not at the right time. Or he'd sort of obey, but not to the full extent. He'd, he'd say, I'm going to do this, but God is, I want you to do this. And he would only do half of it. You know what happens is that partial, thank you, you guys can put that down. That, that the Lord says, you know what, I'm grieved that Saul is this leader. He's, I, we, I can't use him. He's not, he's not fully available to me. So he's going to be done. That chapter's over. I'm going to find someone new. I don't want him to say that about me. You know, John's not really available to me because he look at his life. I mean, he's not very in low obedience, low power. I'm going to find somebody else. It's my instrument. I don't want him to say that about you. Obedience is the secret to experiencing the Spirit's power. Let me close with this. I want to go back to that opening illustration. Some of you are wondering, why did you bring your lunch here? Um, because I brought something with me. I brought some, some Dr. Pepper. Anybody like Dr. Pepper? Oh, someone over there says, me. All right, come see me after the third service and this Dr. Pepper is yours, okay? 
So two cans, they, they look pretty similar here. Um, we come back to that verse in the beginning. We are hard pressed on every side. I did this several years ago, and you know I like visuals, and, and I've had people still say, remember the pop cans? Some of you this past year have been pressed by tensions in relationships that you've had and really close friendships. Some of you have experienced a loss of someone you really love. You've had disappointments. You've had something that's happened at work. You've had situations you're like, man, you're pretty strong. No, it's just that what? This can has nothing inside of it. And it's not only pressed, it's crushed. Then there's this one right here. This one is full. And when this one's pressed, and I'm gonna give it the same kind of, it's hard pressed, but it's not what? Crushed, because what does it have inside? A treasure. It's got Dr. Pepper inside, right? <laughs> so just say, which one of these represents your life? Some of us are walking around and we're trying to do it all in our own strength and this is what happens in those moments. You can't see it, but you go, I feel crushed. But when you have the spirit of God living in your life and some of you are going, you're just not strong enough. I could crush that thing and... I'll come up here afterwards and show me how you do it. I, but, but you're pressed and you go, this thing right here can be pressed with the same kind of weight and, and, it, and it doesn't crush. Why? Because it has something inside. We have this treasure. Are you living like you have the treasure? Let's invite him to have his way in us. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you today that you made a promise to us, Lord, and you kept your promise. You said, I will send my spirit. You're not going to be alone. And Jesus, you've kept your promise. And we thank you. But we want to say today, Lord, that we want you to be at home in our lives. It's been a hard year. It's easy for us when we're not feeling well emotionally, mentally, physically to just go to sort of stoop and, and to... And, and not to honor you. And we, we want to say yes to you. I just wonder in this moment if there's any area right now where the spirit of Jesus is just pointing out where you go, I'm, I got to stop that gossip. I've been tearing people down. There's something, there's a relationship I need to step out of. There's a habit in my life that I need to say no. I, I can't keep on doing this. I, I don't want Jesus to feel like a guest in my house. I want him to know that he owns this house. So Jesus, we invite you to have your way in us, to point out anything that dishonors you and that your power would be made so clear in our lives. Jesus, come and fill us with your Holy Spirit and push out anything that dishonors you. Thank you for helping us in that. So we invite you to do that in us and through us, we pray in your name. And everyone who wants it to be so said, amen. 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 May it be.